Hey guys, this is Ralph Macchio. Hey, what's up y'all? This is William Zabka. You're listening to Cobra Kai Companion, the podcast. Welcome to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter. And I'm Tom. And we're back with another episode review, this time episode two of season two, titled Back in Black. Great title, uh, and you know what song they have to play? Um, A Taylor Swift song. No, 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 oh, sir. Oh. This is Johnny Lawrence we're talking about. There's only <laughs> one, uh, come on, it's ACDC. Yeah, obviously, self-titled, Back in Black. Well, not self-titled, but, you know, the yeah, uh, titular I, yeah, we, title of the episode. We gotcha, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very fitting, obviously. Oh, absolutely it is. You know, b- before we get into the episode, um, you know, just a little bit of house cleaning. Maybe not so much on our part, but some news. Since the last time we released an episode, of the, the Q&A, we had mentioned Season 3 had not yet been greenlit. But since then, it is official. We are getting Season 3 next year. Yes, and not only that, but uh, YouTube is changing the way in which it can be watched if you uh, choose. Get out of here. Yeah, they're going to be releasing it for free. For free? Uh, wi- for free. Uh, it will be supported with ads. But if you want to go ad-free, you absolutely still can with the paid membership. That's correct. And guess what else, Tom? Uh, from what I understand, you can now officially buy the first season of Cobra Kai, finally. Yeah, on iTunes and Vudu, if I'm not mistaken? I think it's available on all platforms. Uh, I'd imagine that you could buy it off of YouTube, Google Play... Uh, just about any uh, streaming service where you can purchase titles, it should be available, and I, I think this is great news. Uh, I, I, I mean, even if you've watched it 10, 20 times, I encourage everybody to plunk down uh, the money, support the show. It's only $15. It's going to be in the best quality. It's going to be, you know, I mean, it's what we've been wanting for the most part. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, digital copy, not not physical. Um, but, it, you know, this is your chance to actually own it. Um, even if you have premium right now, it still is going to be, you know, draining your your battery and your data, at least if you have it downloaded to your, uh, I don't want to just say phone, but, you know, your tablets, uh, you know, those type of devices, it won't be running off of, you know, Wi-Fi or anything like that. You just watch it straight from the file. Exactly. I mean, it's going to be great for those who have a long commute to work, uh, you know, especially if you're, you know, on a bus or especially a train where you're going through tunnels and you don't have the greatest signal. Yeah, it's definitely worth $15. $15 for a season is ridiculously cheap. Oh, it it absolutely is. I mean, that's almost uh, you know a whole month of paying for premium, really. Exactly, it's a buck fifty an episode. It's worth it. Totally worth it. I think this is where you know you got to do your math, see what's worth it to you. Uh, you know, keeping premium, which I don't know if I use 
all the capabilities. Like I, I really love the feature where you can put your phone to sleep and still listen. You know, whether、um, you know you're just listening to a clip or even music. So I like it for that. But I don't know.、Uh, the jury's still out for me. I at this point, I'm still keeping premium even when it becomes free.、Um, and I'll probably end up buying them、uh, anyway.、Uh, obviously, I'm you know in the back of my Art,、uh, you know, I'm still kind of holding out for a physical copy, but you know, this、uh, again,、uh, at least you'll be able to own it without having to pull up, you know, YouTube or anything like that. Well, I mean, I myself have been wanting some kind of home release since the、uh, first season debuted, so this, you know, beggar is not going to be a chooser. I've already bought it. Oh well, th- well there you go.、Um, I think that's it. I be- I believe so. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I I do remember one other thing. Oh, remember during the Q and A when Josh Hield said that he would like to be that football player, the UCLA football player. I believe so. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, we were we couldn't remember like what that was referencing, whether it was from Cobra Kai or a real life UCLA UCLA football player. Well,、um, I don't know if you saw it, but I I, I got a bit of an earful from a,、uh, a good amount of our listeners. Oh, you you're you're getting called out, sir. Yeah, yeah, we 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 don't just say me now. You were in this too, buddy. I don't know nothing about no fool's ball. Yes, but it was Ali who left. Daniel for a UCLA oh, okay, football player. Okay, 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 okay. So the、uh, ver- speaking. Oh, go ahead and finish this.、Uh, that reminded me of something else. Yeah, when I saw the the first person that reached out, you know, I was like, "Oh God, such an idiot!" Because you know, it's a little bit out of context. I, I guess you know, for these other people, it, it, you know, they clearly they knew exactly what、um, you know the reference was to. But you know, I, I can sit here and try to apologize as much as I can or as much as I want. But it's like. You know all these questions. They were referencing different things. So, like my mind, I don't know about you, Tom, was like on Cobra Kai. I didn't even think about Karate Kid Part Two. You know,、uh, in the you know the very beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah, I did not either. But it is a huge detail in that universe. Like, oh, you know, that's the way they wrote off Ali's character. So,、um, you know, apologies, thanks to everybody that has reached out, and you know, this, everyone was pretty nice. I, I, I'd say I don't think anybody was like, "Oh, you dumbasses," you know, anything like that. <laughs> I think everyone was pretty stand up. Yeah, and、uh, I appreciate that. And the、uh, the day and age that we're in with、uh, the internet, that's a rare commodity, and I'm always appreciative of that. Yeah, yeah, it's um, I think most. Let me see. There might have been like two on Twitter. Everybody else just kind of like、uh, personally messaged, you know, like on Facebook and through our Facebook,、um, uh, our official Facebook page. So、uh, thanks again. We we feel like dopes, but you know, hey, it happens sometimes. But I,、oh, I, I I'll go so far as to say I don't feel like a dope. I am a dope. Oh, <laughs>、well, and the other <laughs> thing is, like, I think you know, if I had haven't made it clear in previous episodes,、uh, I don't pretend to know everything about this universe. Back to the Future is where I feel I can go toe to toe with anybody when it comes to trivia and little things of that nature.、Um, Karate Kid, you know, it's a, a very close second. Well, you know what? That's why we have a Brianna. Yes, we do the Encyclopedia Brianica. There we go. I had to think、yes. about that for a second. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think we're still undecided on an actual name, but you know, the Brianna is、uh, my favorite. So. 
Uh, now, the other thing that I wanted to briefly mention uh, before we dive into the episode proper, uh, yesterday, as of the time of this recording, I ran across an article where uh, Elizabeth Shue had an interview with a uh, radio station. Uh, the call letters, I, I have to, again, admit ignorance, uh, I'm not sure exactly where this is out of, but the call letters are KWBE. Uh, and the subject of Cobra Kai came up, and uh, uh, they were wondering whether or not she was going to be returning to that franchise. And uh, she flat out said that uh, she wasn't sure whether or not anybody would care if she came back. And I, I, I think it's safe to say that everyone listening to this podcast, as well as thousands and thousands of others, do indeed care. You're one of the, um, your character is one of the favorites in the entire uh, saga. You're wanted, ma'am. I mean, I given the way you were uh, written out of the second one, I, I couldn't blame you for not wanting to come back. But are you, you on the are phone wanted. Well, no, I'm addressing her personally because, you know, obviously she listens. Obviously. Obviously. Obviously she listens. But no. Speaking of listens, um, you know, I we don't, I mean, there's so many people to shout out, uh, you know, that do check out the show. Uh, recently, I a, a listener from Uruguay uh, reached out and, and uh, you know, said hello and that uh, they have found our podcast and... Uh, indeed, consider us a companion. I was both blown away and humbled when you sent me that. Uh, the fact that anybody, you know, listens to us is incredibly. Uh, it, it, I, it mean, it does mean a lot to me. But to have somebody reach out from a country where English is not the predominant language, that is dang cool. Yeah, and my apologies if I mispronounced that country, but uh, it's very humbling to see anybody reach out first and foremost. But for, you know, I obviously we have many listeners that are from other countries as well, but they seem to um, come from the other uh, across the pond where they do speak English. But this person, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if they were using a translator or if they do speak and understand English. But uh, South America, I don't think we hear from enough people from South America. Uh, probably, you know, somewhere the region of Miguel's father, Ecuador. I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's awesome. So shout out to South America and all the other continents, too. Yes, yes. Welcome aboard, and thank you for coming along. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Uh, back in black? Back in black. All right, so again, episode two. Uh, this one was written by the big three, but directed by John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg. And as usual, I guess this is the second episode where we actually get to do this. Uh, I have a brief episode summary provided by one Amy S. Oh. She writes, Cobra Kai is growing quickly while Daniel dives headfirst into training Robbie and Sam. Johnny tentatively allows Kreese into Cobra Kai, and together they give the kids a very unorthodox lesson. Robbie's home life continues to disintegrate, causing Daniel to intervene and make an attempt to reach out to Johnny, resulting in him coming face-to-face -face with Kreese for the first time in decades. Thank you, Amy, for writing that up. Yes, much appreciated. 
All right. So as we do, uh, for anybody that's tuning in uh, for the first time, we do go scene by scene and we just kind of give our thoughts. Uh, after this, we will get into a few of the listener feedback that uh, we got earlier today. And uh, so here we go. So, Tom, at the very beginning of this episode, the cold open, we get a uh, the Challenger getting its upgrade uh, with you know ACDC's Back in Black, uh, as we discussed. And also kind of inter- intertwined during this little montage, we get Johnny and Miguel both waking up and we kind of see their morning routine very similar. Yeah, I mean, uh, Coors Banquet and Slim Jim's. Obviously, the breakfast of champions in uh, the Valley. Uh, Two-time All-Valley champion? Uh, Yeah. Excuse you. And he came in second place a third year. That's right. And uh, Miguel's drinking orange juice might be a reach. I mean, because most people do, but uh, could be a a bit of a reference to Daniel and his Minute Maid from the first movie. That could very well be, yeah. I don't know about you, but the Challenger getting his spray painted and all these things... Kind of gave me a little Breaking Bad feeling, you know, Breaking Bad vibes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, uh, that show was known for uh, its montages, so it, you can't help but think back to it. And it's um, cold opens. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, now, the thing that I took away was one of the very first things they showed was the removal of the LaRusso Auto Group plate. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like... Uh, I don't know. It definitely is almost an act of defiance toward Daniel in a way. I mean, is it though? I mean, they, he it, it's a, it's a makeover. You know what I mean? So I I, I don't know. I, I I get what you're saying, but I I think it's just a makeover. So they're changing everything. It's vanity plates, and then so you get the new, you know, the Cobra um, frame for your license plate. Yeah, he went all out, um, and I thought it was actually. Uh, a really cool way, uh, and they mentioned this uh, later in the episode, uh, they're showing that his dojo is definitely growing. It is mm-hmm. getting more and more students, and he's able to treat himself to something like this. That, uh, let's face it, at the beginning of season one, it wouldn't have happened in his wildest dreams. Right. Did you like the the tape deck that was installed? I I still... That is mind-blowing, a tape deck in 2018. I I don't even know where you would find a a new tape deck to to install. Do they even make them anymore? Sure. I'm sure that they're available at Best Buy and what have you. I I don't think they're obsolete. It's pretty hard to find cars with a a CD player anymore, let alone a tape deck. I'm... Okay, that's that's a bit of a exaggeration. You don't think they come with CD players anymore? No, no. Uh, I mean, this is purely anecdotal, but my wife and I bought a uh, brand new 2019 uh, tracks this this year, and uh, it did not come with a CD player. It was not even an option. Hmm. Auxiliary only. Auxiliary only. Hmm, that's weird. It's because everybody has, uh, you know, a smartphone or a USB device that uh, they can plug directly into it anymore. Not yet. Or, you know, satellite radio. We or... still got one person with a flip phone at this point. Okay. Very true. Yeah. Very true. So maybe that's why he got the tape deck it, uh, installed. But I think this is also a guy who only has tapes. And so it's like, well, why upgrade? You know what I mean? So I'm just going to put a tape deck in it. All right. Fair enough. Okay. This is Johnny we're talking about. 
Right. So speaking of Johnny, him and Miguel come out of the apartment, fist bumping, sunglasses on. Do you think this is uh, a thing they do almost every morning on their way to the dojo? I think it is. I mean, let's face it. They're kind of becoming little badass Batman and Robins. Uh, they they got the cool car. They, you, know, you know, Johnny has his sidekick. Uh, they're cruising. Hell yeah. I mean, if you had the opportunity to do that every day, wouldn't you? Sure. Uh, I I hope he just doesn't peel out of the parking lot every morning because well you got to be respectful of the neighbors. Well, you know, not, keep not yourself only, from distance. Sure, but Miguel also lives in that complex. You know, you got exactly. Yaya ya and Carmen. You know, who's gonna be like? Uh, maybe maybe Miguel shouldn't ride with Johnny if he's gonna be driving like that. <laughs> just my opinion. Well, well, I mean, at this point, I, Johnny has uh, certainly earned the trust of Yaya and Carmen. I I think. Uh, they might turn a blind eye uh, towards something like that. Okay. All right. So they come to a stop where some women pull up right next to him. I don't know if it's a mother and daughter. I didn't really get that impression, but they both look... They definitely noticed some... who was in the lane over there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he says, uh, don't look. Basically, kind of playing hard to get, but I think this is funny because in the uh, you know in Ace Degenerate, the very first episode of season one... He pulls up at a red light and just that, you know, that, that young lady that's stretching and she goes for a little jog. And there's, you know, he's staring at her and trying to pick her up there. Hey, Johnny's got his groove back, baby. You know, I get, uh, well, I don't know. I, I was going to say something else, but um, his car, because his last car, not, 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 as, not as dope as this one, right? No. Well, it's a classic, but, you know, let's face it, junkyards are filled with classics. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess in this case, it's like the car will speak for itself. Don't exactly. even pay attention to them. Exactly. All right. So Robbie is woken up by someone breaking into his home. Nope. It's just his mom. And uh, come to find that, it, you know, she's got a new beau by the name of Rick. <sighs> Rick. What a scumbag this guy is, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you think... Oh, okay, how about this? Remember that movie, Hot Tub Time Machine? Have you seen that one? Uh, I've heard of it, yes, You've heard sir. of it? Okay. Do you remember Robbie's mother being in that movie? Or at least uh, the actress? Very, very much. Uh, she was part of a bet with a classy payoff. Yes. Do you remember Billy Zapka's character name in that movie? Was it Rick? It was Rick. I'll be damned. So I wonder if that's a reference. Could be. Yeah. Uh, it could very well be. That wouldn't be a, a question for a later Q&A. Or it could also be um, maybe this character could have been named by one of our companions here. Rick G. Oh, Rick, 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 that, Rick, Rick. Would, that <laughs> would be cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I think it is. I think it is. He, he might have you even know what? mentioned it. It's official. Rick, Rick, We're Rick, saying Rick, it Rick is. was yeah. He was written into the show. I think so. All right. Now, so, now, real quick, before we move on, what were your impressions on this scene? Because I felt so. I mean, this is where I was starting to feel really, really bad for Robbie. Well, I mean, not, not the, only the look on his face, you could tell when that door was opening, he was scared, and I felt bad for the kid. Oh, yeah. I mean, she hasn't been home, which uh, I believe he might have said she hadn't been home in days. Uh, so, yeah, he probably thought it was like Cruz and Trey or something like that, you know, coming to rob him or, or mm-hmm. anybody for that matter. 
But um, this particular scene, yeah, you, you can't help but feel bad for him. She's going to leave to Cabo adjacent with a guy that he just met, you know, and um, she comes back for a few things, but she grabs like a couple, you know, bottles of probably prescription drugs of some sort. Narcotics, yeah. I feel, you know, painkillers, yeah. something. Um, exactly. Like all, t- there's all types of. It, it could be, it, it could be anything. Honestly, I, I don't know. I just felt bad for the kid, and you know, let's face it, they aren't antibiotics that she was grabbing. Of course you not. Know, it's yeah. I, I just felt bad for him. Sure, sure. Um, she. I mean, she says that he's. They're gonna be gone like maybe a week and a half or so, and that this this Rick guy is supposed to be paying. You know, for the rent in the meantime, I don't know. Um, you know, it, it, Robbie's in a really tough situation. Now, is he still working for LaRusso Auto at this point? I, I forget. I don't believe so, because now, you know, they he, he's... I If I remember correctly, they hired him thinking that he had graduated from high school already. So now the fact Fair that... Enough. Yeah, that they know he's Johnny's son and he's underage... Um, I don't believe that he is. Well, still, I mean, you'd figure that he could, you know, explain the situation to Daniel and say, hey, I am willing to do anything. If I got to sweep up, if I've got to, you know, lug uh, used oil to the recycling center, you know, put me to work, boss. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're right. Uh, but uh, Daniel could be selfishly holding, you know, back on that just so he can have a student. Good point. Very good point, and we're going to touch on Daniel's selfishness later on uh, in this episode. Oh. Oh. Okay, all right. Uh, Let's see. Um, One last thing, and we'll move on. Robbie tells Rick, better not hurt her, or otherwise, you know, next time you're not getting up. Little threat there. You know what? He's a good kid. He's looking out for his mother like you're supposed to. Oh, absolutely. So... I do like that. We didn't get that from mm-hmm. him uh, last season. No, I, I really am enjoying the growth of this character. So we get to Daniel back at uh, New Miyagi Do, and he's hanging up a photo of Mr. Miyagi. Did you recognize any of the other? Well, I, there was only one other photograph. The other two were, I think, more of like a drawing or something art. The picture I right did, before. but I couldn't quite place who that was. Uh, go ahead and fill me in, sir. Yeah, it's uh, Fumia Demura, who was Mr. Miyagi's stunt double. Oh, no kidding. That's awesome. Yeah, so it was him as a, a younger man, you know, um, very, you know, well-known and regarded in the martial arts community. Uh, sensei William Christopher Ford, who played Dennis in Credit Kid 3, you know, not too long ago, uh, filmed a movie, a documentary about uh, Sensei Demura's um, last dojo that closed down. Interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah, that that in itself is going to be a future episode. I've already interviewed him and spoke to him about that film, and uh, soon come, soon come. But yeah, that that's who the photo of. Uh, so if um, anybody remembers, you know the 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 fi- the famous skeleton jump scene, right? You know where Miyagi comes to save the day. A lot of those were done by. Fumio Demura. Right on. That is mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, my apologies. I should have looked it up. I don't know his exact title. So I just went with, you know, Sensei. But uh, th- th- yeah, there you go. D- Dan- even Daniel, 
you know, comments that uh, some big shoes to fill. But yeah, uh, again, knowing who, you know, I don't know the other two men uh, that, that were hanging up on the wall, but, you know, obviously Mr. Miyagi. And I don't know if Fumio Demura is supposed to be anybody else in this universe because it is in itself an, an Easter egg. So, um, but yeah. I, I just kind of got the impression that, you know, these were, it's almost like the person before each person is the one who taught each person as far yeah. as who they are. But I, I don't. Do I don't think we've ever gotten any names, have we? No, we haven't. Uh, I think that'd be a great question for the next Q and A. You yeah. know, just uh, you know, we we notice Fumio Demura's photo uh, up on the wall. It, it, it was he's supposed to be a Miyagi, you know, it, and it could be simply just the Easter egg. It could be. We we would like to know if there's any you know backstory to that. Obviously, Sam shows up to the Miyagi Do and she gets a call from Aisha. Nope, it's just Miguel. Now, I want to be understanding, you know, that this is a 16, 17-year-old kid, but that's creeper behavior there. It's, you know, teenagers do it. It is, uh, Yeah, that's why I'm not trying to come down too hard, but come on. I, I, mean, not, I understand I mean, where also, you're coming from. Not, I understand, but, I mean, not only is he... Uh, tricking uh, Sam into a conversation, but he's also using uh, uh, Aisha's, Aisha's phone. phone without, yeah, without permission. I mean, that's not cool, dude. No, it's not. Um, but I feel a lot of teenagers have been in that situation where it's like, I really would like to talk to them and I have no other way. Uh, what was the alternative? You know, M- Miguel, Aisha, she suggested he talks to her, but Sam doesn't want to hear it. Usually, sometimes you try to go to their friends. In this case, I don't know if Miguel has a lot of options to go to. And so I can see why he did this, because he probably felt this this was the only way, you know, to kind of cornering her in a sense, you know, by calling her thinking it's Aisha. So I get what you're saying, you know, uh, but I think that's that's all it is. He didn't mean any harm. I, I yeah, I'm not saying that there was anything malicious or you know scary ab- about it. I I just didn't. It was very disrespectful to both the ladies. Let's put it that way. Sure, sure, and you know also you know in the first episode she blocked him on Instagram. She doesn't want to talk to you, so I mean no means no is the other thing too, right? Exactly. Yeah, but on the other hand, he's uh, taking a lesson from Cobra Kai, you know. Defeat does not exist. That's right. That's right. So, Robbie kind of overhears that it is Miguel that's on the phone, but he doesn't care who she's talking to. And and why or should he, he, right? Well, I mean, at this point, I... Well, you're right, because in, um, in season one, we do get glimpses. But um, I think the fact that it's Miguel, obviously, he's a little salty about that. I was going to say, this is the guy that uh, defeated him for the championship by exploiting a weakness. Right, right. But, um, you know, also, Robbie could be taking out some aggression on his current situation with how things oh, went yeah. down with his mom. Yeah. So it might be a little bit a uh, mix of both of those. And, uh, again, he's just in a tough spot right now. So Daniel has his very first lesson. And... It's the wheel technique, and when done properly, it's kind of twice the d- defense, I-, I guess, or something. 
Now, there's a comment that Daniel makes that, that I found very interesting. He said, it's, you know, it's been a, a long time since Miyakido has had more than one student. Was he present at the time when there was more than one student at Miyagi-Do? That's a good question. Um, because it's kind of making me re... You know, it's kind of making me rethink who those gentlemen on the wall were. Were they past generations of Miyagi who uh, hmm. had schools of their own as well? Yeah, because if you think about it, the wheel technique... It seems like it's a two-person thing. So if Daniel knows how to do this, execute this properly, who was he doing it with? Was he doing it with Mr. Miyagi? I, I don't know. You know, because again, like he did say... That's a, that, yeah, that's a really good question. I didn't think about that. Yeah, because again, he mentions it's been a long time since Miyagi does had more than one student. So uh, I feel that's very telling, you know, p- perhaps that... At some point, maybe we will find out if Daniel, if there was another student at Miyagi-Do when Daniel was still learning under uh, Mr. Miyagi. Maybe it was uh, the daughter of one of Mr. Miyagi's war friends. Could be. Could it also be Julie Pierce? Exactly. But exactly. I mean, she, she lived in, was it Boston? Was she from Boston? I mean, it was definitely I, East Coast. I, I think, it was, yeah, it was definitely East Coast. But still, I mean, it's very possible that uh, she could have moved out uh, east, or maybe uh, or moved out west, or maybe uh, Daniel went out there to to see Miyagi and met her. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very possible. In fact, it'd be kind of odd if the two of them never met. Yeah, no, no, I, I think they're, um, they're, they know of each other for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. at the very least, in the next credit kid. Um, Mr. Miyagi kind of references Daniel. Not by name, mm-hmm. but, you know, that he had lived with a boy. Um, what did you think of the wheel technique? I thought that, uh, honestly, I thought it kind of served as a metaphor for a lot of different things. You know, not only a metaphor for balance, uh, but a metaphor for working together as a team and trusting each other. Uh, and basically, work, you know, harmony, balance, all that. You know, I thought it was a great metaphor. Yeah, I like it. And the way that Daniel's, you know, training them and instructing them, uh, also, you know, we got to remember how rusty and unorthodox Johnny was in season one. Daniel doesn't really quite know how to instruct, in my opinion, you know? I think that, I, I guess he thinks that, it should be easier uh, than than they they're making it appear, you know. But um, I think it's really interesting too how they, you know, are supposed to be not back to back, but they their backs are towards one another. Mm-hmm. I just felt like this technique is almost like dancing. So as long as you can be in rhythm that way, I, I think it'd be easier. So. Um, I don't know. Like, I obviously, uh, again, neither of us had taken martial arts. I never took dancing professionally, but I I did used to enjoy, you know, the nights out at the clubs back in my day. But um, when the, the I, I remember the very first time I saw this episode, the night it aired, I was just thinking, well, couldn't you, you know, Daniel likes to go dancing. We see it in every single movie. Why can't you just uh, try to kind of keep some kind of cadence, you know, and train them that way, you know, by counting, counting their steps. So 
I don't know. You know, maybe the work, um, the wheel technique doesn't work that way. But that was just my my thought. Well, either way, I think you're right in that it showed that Daniel at this stage of the game is not a great instructor. And I think a lot of that has to do with pressure that he's putting on himself to kind of live up to Mr. Miyagi's legacy. Right. Uh, next scene, we got a, a brief, brief moment here um, back at the Cobra Kai dojo. Johnny's on a call in his office. Pretty comfortable, right? He's got one leg up on the desk. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, he's got his mojo back. He, I mean, Cobra Kai's firing on all cylinders. You know, uh, multiple classes are almost at capacity. I mean, what more could he want as a, you know, business owner and sensei? Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Um, classes are filling up. And we do get, you know, kind of more of two new faces, Mitch and Chris. And uh, I, I don't know, this isn't quite hazing, but... Um, you know, Hawk is really being hard on them. You know, don't talk unless you're spoken to all these things. And he's giving them names like, you know, Shithead 1 and Shithead 2. Yeah, I think this might be one of the first or at least an early example of this year of how Hawk has really become a massive bully. Yeah, I mean, even Aisha says, no, more like Mary-Kate and Asshat. You know, I mean, and that was a great line. I I loved that. Well, M- Miguel comes in and was it called like uh, ass face or uh, I kind of forget like douche flap or something like that. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, yeah, I should have written it down. But uh, <laughs> at least like Miguel came in. I it, it's weird me saying this, but I feel like Miguel came in, you know, and said it the right way, <laughs> you know, in, in the joking matter. Because like with Hawk, you're not exactly sure. Like yeah, I think I, Hawk I really means how it. They like shithead yeah, one they two. wouldn't feel very welcome there. Whereas, yeah, I mean uh, Miguel was kind of throwing him a little bit of uh, heat, but he wasn't doing it to the point where they wouldn't want to be there. Right. And so Crease walks into the dojo, doesn't like what he sees. You know, we got a bunch of new students. Uh, one of which is Nate, a uh, little Asian kid with glasses. So we do see him there. Miguel asks if uh, he can help him, and Cree says no. I, this is where I started to kind of give up on the idea of Crease being reformed, you know? It was just so disrespectful, the way that he didn't care that it was Donnie's, Johnny's dojo. He came there to kind of take charge. Oh, yeah. Uh, Crease does a lot of disrespecting in this episode, and we'll get there. But um, according to Johnny, Kreese is there a day early, you know? Kreese is like, oh, you know, he basically he's saying that he lost track of the date. No, no, he just didn't give, you know, again, it comes down to respect. Is he it that or that... he just, he didn't have anything else to do? No, I, I think it was more or less, uh, I think that was an alpha move on Kreese's part. Okay, okay. So we go back to Miyagi-Do, get a brief scene of them practicing some more wheel technique. And Daniel gets a text from Amanda. Uh, Looks like it's important. So important that he has to leave to work. Yeah, and uh, we're going to, I think this might be the first example of many in which uh, Miyagi-Do is taking priority in his life over his actual business. And, you know, uh, for somebody who is all about balance, he's definitely slipping. It's also day one. So I, th- I think that's the, the one thing we do have to 
I think that's his saving grace in this particular instance. Yes. I agree. But, I mean, what I can't understand uh, from Daniel's point of view is he knows he has a business to run. He has responsibilities. Why not schedule, you know, the dojo around those? Well, I mean, let let me ask you this, because this may backfire on me. When you first started podcasting, what mm-hmm. did, did did you schedule everything around you know where like it wouldn't get in the way with your life or was it like uh, like a flawless transition for you becoming a podcaster i didn't really have a choice i mean you got responsibilities i mean i can't uh, schedule an interview or just even a regular podcast during uh, the middle of a work day well i mean of course not during the middle of a work day but um, I don't know. I, I I don't know what this says about me, but uh, when I became a podcaster, you know, we've talked about how many shows I've hosted or currently host. Um, I just got so addicted to it, talking to people about movies that I love. You know, I I wouldn't do it during like family time or anything like that. Um, everything I did was late at night. You know, I would have guests come on my show and ask them to come on extremely late just because of my schedule. And then I would stay up, I would edit, and my lack of sleep it started affecting my behavior. You know, I would get mm-hmm. short. Um, I, I would get kind of snappy at times. And mm-hmm. and I didn't even realize that. You know, my wife had to tell me and point it out. Like, you know, you need to... You you need to do something because you need to get your sleep. You you can't be, you know, editing, sleep for two hours and go to work. Yeah, you know, and there have been times that I've done that. So I think Daniel has a little taste right now, and he likes it. He's got one student, and then Sam shows up. Hey, is there room for one more? So now he's got two, and now he's teaching the wheel technique, which he probably hasn't even thought about in years. I mean, I, I understand that, but... I mean, he's not just, you know, uh, I mean, he's a business owner. He's responsible for not only himself and his family, but all of his employees. I mean, you you can't do that. No, I I get get that too. But, you know, uh, devil's advocate here. Maybe he's like, well, Amanda, you know, Amanda could still run things. That's so, you know, he's, he's using that, I feel. Well, much like the wheel technique, you know, if you've got uh, two partners that are in sync with each other, they're much stronger than they would be on their own. Mm-hmm. And we'll get there, too. Oh, yes. So, Chris is introduced to the Cobras, and uh, Johnny has Miguel do some warm-ups. And uh, Miguel throws in the side dab, which kind of embarrasses Johnny a little bit. You know, Chris uh, is probably thinking, get your dojo in order, uh, Lawrence. Now, this is where I, f- I think I should feel old because I have no idea what the, the side dab is. Is that a millennial thing? Y- yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to explain it to you, uh, but it's something that, you know how you don't watch foosball? Are, are you familiar with the football player Cam Newton? I, I've heard the name. Yeah, there was times that I... Um, remember watching like highlights and stuff you know if he was part 
you know, of a, a touchdown, whether it was him or like passing to a player and get scoring a touchdown. But anyway, you know how players have their have their little dances, and you know, uh, Cam Newton sometimes he would do a side dab, and that became very popular, and so a lot of people do it. Um, you know, part of dances. Uh, also, <laughs> there was this. I forget her name, but there was a senator or something where she was. I, I forgot. Well, it was some kind of rally. She was up on stage. There was another uh, lady senator up there. I, I don't even know if they were senators, but some some sort of po- political officials. You know, two women were up on stage, and so when one of them was introduced, she actually did like the dab, and like I think everybody who watched that was probably yikes. Why? Why'd you do that? <laughs> you know, so it's just uh, it's one of those things. Uh, usually in a, a celebratory fashion, but um, you know, you can really side dab to to anything as a, a point of emphasis. So oh, here I, you I, are. I mean, you're you're reviewing and you're educating, sir. Yeah, and I'm sure somebody else is probably like, "No, you dumbass. This is what it is." But <laughs> but uh, also, hey, you know, I'm mid thirties, and uh, maybe I'm not privy to this culture but I, I, I like to think i am sometimes oh i i am so far behind on that it's it's so pathetic we'll we'll, we'll get you we'll get you straight there tom we'll, we'll show you on a side dab <laughs> do you have a pamphlet that you can hand me or something no <laughs> <laughs> and then once you get it down we'll need a video in the group um <laughs> but uh you know what remember the gift gate that happened oh yeah Okay, so I mentioned, I don't know if I said, you know, if I saw like nothing or I saw like very few. I feel like I might have seen two, one of which I remember. It was actually, I I remember seeing Hawk doing the side dab. So I did see Mm -hmm. that gif. Okay. So Johnny's not happy, you know, with the the kids and kind of messing around, saying that after winning one tournament doesn't make you guys, or, you know, you guys don't know everything just from winning one tournament and and all these things. And then Aisha tells him tells him about the snake do. Again, I have no idea what this is about. I think this is something just for the show. I've never heard of the snake do. I think this was just something that they were messing with him about on, you know? I did love his reaction, though. Quiet? <laughs> well, you could tell he had no idea what the hell was going on, but it was pissing him off. Well, of course, but I mean, th- <laughs> is that not what snakes do? They they hiss, you know, and so the the, the arm and hand motion was that of a you know a snake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't be mad at that. That's what snakes do. <laughs> but I love Aisha. <laughs> Aisha's a reaction, though. You know, she's just like, oh, like um, as if that they clown around with him. Maybe not often, but just the fact that this is the first time he's reacted this way to something that they've done. But on the other hand, I mean, does he have a point? Oh, absolutely, I mean, let's face yeah. it, at, at the next uh, tournament, Cobra Kai's are going to have a massive target on their back because, you know, they're the king of the mountain. They're the ones that need to be knocked off by all the others. Yeah, no, th- there's a time and place for things like this, you know. And obviously, mm-hmm. they have a guest right now in the dojo. Now's not the time for it. I think I have to agree. All right, very good. Um, now we go back to a LaRusso, uh, uh, dealership and we find out that Tom Cole is poaching their employees. I hate that Tom Cole guy. Yeah. This, this is personal because he's kind of almost, but not really sullying my own good name. 
Yeah, we, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, that's 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 your character, and I think it was Hayden that <sighs> said, uh, you know, he is the protagonist. <laughs> If I'm not mistaken, so. But um, Vic, I don't think we've been introduced to this character. Uh, but yeah, the Tom Cole has uh, poached Vic. Uh, again, it, it just kind of shows that Daniel might be a little bit asleep at the wheel. Could be. That could be right. But Amanda uh, also tells them that they need to sell ten cars to meet a quota, and she doesn't yeah. think uh, it's that crunch time. he can. Yeah, he's a little, I don't know, she might have thought he's a little ambitious, but he says, well, you know, that between the two of them, they can do it. So this is where your balance thing comes in into play. Exactly. Not to mention uh, a great example of the metaphor of the wheel technique. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we get a little Danny and Mandy, as he will later say. Uh, what do you think about this sequence here? I loved it. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, both actors really sold it. Uh, the, and, the, you uh, mean the cars? No, 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 the, the <laughs> scene. Uh, I, I, I just thought it was a really well done montage all around. Any uh, possible slight commentaries on uh, Comic Cons and, and the crane kick taking pictures with Daniel? You know, that is very possible. That is very, <laughs> very possible. I, I hope it's not because uh, Daniel LaRusso, I, I don't know if, he, I don't think he was a big fan of having to do that. So hopefully, you know, Ralph Macchio isn't the same way. You know, I. They've both been doing it for 34, 35 years. They, they, they have, <laughs> but I can't, I mean, I'm a lifelong geek. I love comic cons. I love uh, genre pictures and all that. But I still get a kick whenever, uh, <laughs> kick. you know, our, our people are, you know, get the piss taken out of them a little bit. Do, do, do you remember seeing, I don't know if it was made into a video or, you know, maybe just like a comparison photos. But do you remember when Black Panther came out and they would show photos of uh, Chadwick Boseman doing Wakanda Forever? I believe I remember seeing that. Yes, sir. Yeah. And then like months later, they there's pics of him continue doing the Wakanda forever, but his face isn't as, you know, gleeful, you know, as as when he was first doing it. He's just imagining uh, 20, 30 years from now still having to do that. Yeah. So I, I wonder if that's kind of like, uh, I, w- I wonder how Ralph Macho feels, you know, like, oh, all right, another train kick. You know what I mean? Like Chadwick Boseman. I mean, and, and these were just photos. It could have just been out of context. Maybe somebody was just making something to go viral. But uh, it kind of did look like Chadwick Boseman was starting to get sick of having to do it. Even, um, I think, Michael B. Jordan. I, I never watched a clip, but I feel there's a video clip a lot of people were sharing where, you know, he was on some talk show and or a small interview. I don't know. But uh, they asked him to do it. And he's like, look, I'm not from Wakanda. <laughs> you know, so I, I can see something like that getting a little tiresome. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's fa- these are human beings. They're not jukeboxes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, what's, a ju- what's, a, what's a jukebox? Sir, I will come through this microphone. <laughs> hey, I, I know what it is. I've seen, I've seen Back to the Future, 1955. I got you. I got you. All right. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting. Now, l- let me get your opinion on on the scene, though. You know, because obviously we we saw the ones where they did make make the sale. Um, I'm sure there were plenty of customers that came through where they were unsuccessful. But 
what do you think about customers going to car lots? Do you think most of them go thinking that they are going to leave with a new car? Yeah, more more often than not. Or do you think most would? You know, uh, I have had a fairly extensive uh, background in sales, and I can tell you that uh, the percentage of people who are just looking versus the people who go in with purchases in mind, yeah, it's very much skewed in favor uh, in terms of numbers that the people who are just looking because you know they want to look to see what's available. They want to look to see what kind of bargains they can get. Uh, they want to compare and contrast. Uh, so the fact that they hit their quota is very admirable, frankly. Okay, well, what what if the place is Target? Does the statistic, does that still stand? Absolutely it does because, <laughs> well, I mean, any, any place where you have a large ticket item, even if it's just a television, you know, you're, you're going to want to shop around a little bit. You don't buy the very first thing, or at least you're not, you know, supposed to buy the very first thing you see at the first place you go. Right. But you, but, do but you research. know, you, you know, the joke about Target, right? You, you go in for one thing, you come out with like 10 other items. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, it, I guess, um, you know, I've never worked in car sales, so I I just thought that maybe he was successful enough that I I feel that it should be, what, 10 for for the dealership, right? Not just, like, 10 between the two of them, because there are other salesmen, no? Uh, I kind of got that it was uh, for the dealership, yes, sir, but they were taking charge. Okay. Yeah, hmm. You know, especially I, I, I uh, with that asshole Tom me. Cole taking all of their best salespeople. <laughs> yeah, that asshole. Um, <laughs> yeah, ten, I don't know. I guess 10 does kind of seem a lot to... I, I wonder if, you know, for like a uh, like a period that they needed 10 more to meet the quota. Because I, I, I now, guess, you know, I was thinking like 10 a day. That sounds a lot. You know you know what I mean? I thought it was, you know, it, it came down to crunch time. They had a certain right. number that they had to meet, and they were 10 away from that number. I think and that, okay. they had to, yeah, they had to pull out all the stops in order to hit that number. Got it. That that makes a little bit more sense to me. Uh, I was just thinking, like, maybe they're supposed to do, like, roughly 10 a day. or and, and at least for that day, they just needed 10 more to meet the quota. So, okay, all right. Mm. I'm sure a lot of people want us to get uh, get going, but I, I think some might kind of maybe they were thinking the same thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So Daniel pops open a bottle of something, probably champagne, and because they met the the ten, and he's talking about you know training uh, Robbie and Sam and Amanda because she's the MVP says that you don't have to be Mr. Miyagi. You just have to be Mr. LaRusso. So you do you, right? That's what she's telling him. You know, once again, the mothers of the show proved to be the wisest characters because she's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. If you just go in and try to compare yourself to your father or your mother or your mentor, you're always going to come up short in your mind. You know, you have to eventually be comfortable enough to do your own thing. Mm-hmm. And at this point, Daniel sees a tire that had been removed from a vehicle, and it uh, spins as a tire does. And he gets the idea, or uh, a light bulb goes off in his head. Yes. So, speaking of training, we got the Cobras. They are mixing cement. A little different here. And Kreese says, you know what? They're... 
Muscle's gonna get sore, but uh, I forgot what he says. But Johnny, Johnny has something other, uh, else up his sleeve: a cement truck. Uh, this. I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like an idiot, but I, I thought that this was just an odd way for him to teach teamwork. You know? Yeah. Not to mention, kind of dangerous. Oh yeah, it it really is. Um, I think it's a little bit. No, it might be right about now. Crease even kind of questions it. Like, do you even know what you're doing? Uh, well, no, I think that comes a little bit later. But this is my thought. I think at some point, Johnny and some friends were drunk and found themselves in the cement truck drum, and they had to work as a team in order to get out. Otherwise, they would, you know, the the cement would would uh, harden and they'd be stuck in there. This was so, so risky on so many different levels, you know? I mean... It is. Again, I I feel this may have happened to Johnny before because he has never instructed until the last season. So as far as as I know, I don't know about we, but I don't think he's ever instructed prior to this class that he's got now. So how else would he know about the drum, the cement drum? Or do you think he was just... I kind of... Got the impression that the thought just kind of popped in his head because even Crease didn't really see what he was getting at. Well, but he seems to know the guy driving the truck, you know, and uh, he's going to pay a debt, you know, for this favor. That was probably just some dude he knew from back in his contractor days. Sure, but I don't know. I I, I felt that it was um, preconceived. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. Okay. All right, so... um. We cut to Robbie in his apartment. He's looking in the fridge. He's got no food. Little bit of milk left, and his light goes out. So I guess that that jerk Rick didn't <laughs> forgot about the utilities. Forgot yeah, about the utilities. What a dick. God damn it, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're out banging my mom, and here I am having to use cereal and water. Not yet, but low on milk, and the light goes out. Again, just a bad situation he's in. Yeah, again, I, I can't state enough just how bad. I, poor guy. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful that I've never been that low, you know? Right, right. So there you go. Count your blessings. Oh, absolutely. Every day. Every day. So we cut to Miyagi-Do the next day, uh, and they're doing the wheel technique on the balancing platform, you know, in the little pond there. Uh, they fall, but they get back up again. I thought this was really interesting because Daniel mentions that Mr. Miyagi had built that, you know, like just a few years before he had passed. But I, I don't uh, think it was, it was like a tribute to balance. Uh, wasn't that the like uh, a monument behind it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it was something that they were actually using for training. But Daniel is, you know, kind of doing his own thing. Uh, but the pond probably had been cleaned out. Sam, I think she stepped on something and questions it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know if it was like some kind of. Uh, pawn life, you know, or just something weird that might have been thrown in there. Um, what do you think of this? The, the training here, because this is the first time we've seen it um, since since the, the first teaser. I thought it was damn clever. I thought it was a really, really uh, clever way to teach uh, coordination, balance, and most importantly, teamwork. I thought uh, it was very effective. Yep. And, and again, like kind of what I was saying about the whole dancing thing earlier, that if Daniel brought up 
trying to be in sync. And if they can learn how to kind of count, you know, uh, the steps and things like that, I feel they'd be a little bit more in sync. Yes. Just like in anybody that was ever in band or choir, you have your instructor composing, you know, and you, you follow their beat. So without that, yeah, you're going to be out of sync and, and not balance. But um, what I do like also is the music that would follow this when the montage kicks in. Uh, it felt very reminiscent th- that of like 80s montages. You know, um, the, the first movie that popped into my head, probably because it comes up in the next episode, but was Bloodsport. You know, I felt like, you know, heavy synth and I don't know. I, I really like it. It started to, you know, pop more out uh, at me when, you know, when I hear the music. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, that's one of the great things about this show in general, but in scenes like this in particular, it has a very retro nostalgia feel, and it's obviously intentional, and it's very well executed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Now, Johnny, he is giving a little speech. You know, he's telling them, you know, to keep moving forward, otherwise they'll get stuck where they are. And they think it's punishment, you know, to having to crawl in into the, uh, you know, the cement truck, which rightfully so. Um, but Crease, you know, shouts out quiet. Gee, wonder where Johnny might have gotten that from, right? Yeah. And uh, gives them a little pep talk, which later Johnny would call a uh, kick in the pants. So, um, you know, supports Johnny, you know, reveals to the kids that he was the sensei. And Johnny's his best pupil. And to listen to him, since he led them to the mountain previously in the first season. You know, uh, I think that this was perhaps the best uh, example of some kind of synergy between Johnny and Kreese. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of... Well, you know what? I, I don't want to spoil future episodes, just in case uh, for some reason people are, you know, have not seen anything. Maybe uh, they're watching it brand new episode by episode while listening to a certain podcast. Who knows? And God bless you if you are, right? (laughs) Uh, So Chris, Mitch, Hawk, and Miguel climb inside the drum. And uh, this is where Kreese asks, have have you done this? You know, have you done this before? And Johnny says he knows what he's doing. But uh, yeah, we get the montage. It kind of cuts back and forth between Sam and uh, Robbie on the platform and them in the drum there uh again i'm trying to figure out how to articulate this but uh, i thought it was great to show them that you know you can do so much more together than you can on your own and you have to keep working hard as a team but i don't know i i just think uh when you compare it to the montage with the wheel technique it kind of maybe fell a little short you know mm-hmm. yeah but they were able to get it rotated uh and then we get a brief scene of johnny having some fun spraying them down with the hose which we got so well i don't know if they were behind the scene i think we might have had some behind the scene photos shared but i definitely saw uh something in the thread for this episode uh in our group yes yeah so Sam learns about Robbie's situation, and she tells Daniel. Uh, that's a really hard thing to do. I mean, I think that the responsible thing would have been to be mature about it, 
maybe call uh, Cobra Kai over the phone and explain to Johnny exactly what type of situation his boy is in. You talking about Daniel? Yes. Right. Because, I mean, he talks to Amanda about it, and that's what she suggested. Because Daniel's like, well, I tried contacting his mom. And, you know, Amanda's like, well, he's got a he's got a father. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think that uh, he should have brought uh, Johnny in on this. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Uh, we did miss the scene where Robbie is eating cereal with, or was about to eat cereal with water when Daniel showed up. But, um, yeah, talking with Amanda, she, you know, she agrees that he can stay, but not in the long term. And that's where, you know, she suggests that he talks to Johnny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely the the right thing to do. Uh, and honestly, not just for, uh, not just for Robbie, but for uh, Johnny as well. He has a right to be involved when uh, the boy's mother is absent. Right. So we get a scene. Uh, Crease or Johnny thanks Crease for for the for the help, for the little pep talk there, and um, seems like it's getting a little cordial. And Crease invites him for a cold one, which he turns down at first. Yeah, but I mean, come on. I mean, of course, banquet is Johnny's uh, version of mother's milk. You, you you don't have to twist his arm too hard to get him to crack one open. Well, do you think that he was really busy, or did he turn it down because he wasn't quite comfortable I kinda, yet? I kind of got the impression that by the time they were done with the cement truck, uh, and especially considering the fact that Crease gave uh, the students the kick in the pants that they needed, I thought that was where the ice was completely melted and Johnny had warmed up to, to crease. Uh, I, I kind of got the impression that he was genuinely tired at the end of the day and he just decided, okay, what the hell, I'll, I'll go and have a beer with the old man. Right. I mean, first off, he, he t- today wasn't even the day he was supposed to come. You know, he just invited himself mm-hmm. and now the man just won't leave. So he's probably, yeah, he's probably done for the night. But um, yeah, so, th- so they do go. And then we get uh, a brief brief scene here. Miguel goes over to Johnny's apartment. You know, he had uh, access to a spare key and drops off some food because Carmen doesn't want him just eating Slim Jim and a beer for breakfast. Once again, the mothers on this show are so, so awesome. I mean... Wait, wait, wait. wait. I thought you were defending uh, Coors and Slim Jims for breakfast earlier. Oh, for me? <laughs> but... I- Let's put it this way. If my wife caught me drinking uh, Coors and mowing down on Slim Jims in the morning, uh, I'm willing to bet that she would have something to say Sir, that, just that... out of uh, concern and care. And the fact that Carmen is showing that same concern and care toward her neighbor, I thought was very touching. I, I think that's perfectly fine for podcasters. That's that's what we eat. We, we usually have, you know, beer and a Slim Jim. Exactly. If we can't <laughs> get the buzz from alcohol, then we got to get a buzz from greasy sodium. Yep, I, I uh, agree, question mark. Um, <laughs> but Johnny sees the picture of uh, little Robbie on the refrigerator and puts two and two together. You mean Miguel sees it? My bad, whatever I said. Uh, Miguel Miguel <laughs> sees the picture of Robbie on the fridge. Yes, and that's where you need to have like some kind of cue for dramatic music when he realizes ex- uh, exactly what the relationship between the two of them is. Yes, yes. And uh, he's definitely taken aback. Um, 
I, I can't say I really blame him. Yeah, I mean, at least we didn't get like the same reaction to uh, the, the first season where Robbie sees a, uh, a flyer of Johnny's. You know, it's my effing dad. You know, it, Miguel could have easily like, oh crap, that's that's his son, and rips up the picture or something. But he just sees it, and it's like, ah, oh, just disappointed. You know that this is something Johnny hasn't even told him about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I can't. Again, I mean, he could have done any number of things. He could have waited for Johnny and confronted him with it. Uh, he could have, you know, done some really stupid things. But he decided to hold that particular card close to the chest and wait for the right time to play it. So the next scene follows. Literally follows Johnny and Chris walking out of the convenience store with Nestor on their tail. And uh, something was said, I guess. We, we don't know exactly what, what happened in there. Uh, I kind of got the impression that Chris was definitely revealing his true colors just a little bit. Uh, and I thought it was kind of an interesting contrast to the two characters of crease and Johnny Johnny. I mean, let's be honest is racist, uh, especially at the beginning of uh, season one, but his is almost more of an ignorance, which I mean, those are the people that you hope you can reach out to and maybe show them a different point of view. Whereas crease, it's just hatred. It's just vile and ugly and there's no real silver lining to it at all. And, I, I I just cringed when I whatever I see that you know, right? I mean, we saw how Chris looked at Miguel earlier in the episode, and yeah, I feel it's... as you know as they were paying, Chris might have leaned over and whispered something, which Nestor, you know, has to walk around the counter, and that's you know by the time he caught up to them, they had just walked out that door. So and Chris doesn't give a damn. No, no, he doesn't. Yeah, that's. I uh, it's it I, I think it's a, a very revealing scene, but kinda low key at the same time. I thought it, the subtlety was very, very well played in that. Mm-hmm. You know what else was well played? Hmm. This next scene where Daniel shows up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So Johnny or Daniel's like dead my ass because he sees the two of them sharing well, not sharing a beer, but having a beer together. And uh Daniel thinks that this is the new Cobra Kai, right? The, the he wanted to bring Crease into this, and you know I can't I can't help but uh, have uh, conflicted feelings about this because on one hand Daniel was again very clearly in the wrong for not telling Johnny exactly what kind of situation that his son was in, but on the other hand I can't blame him for being kind of blindsided by uh, suddenly uh, seeing Crease out of nowhere, the man that he was told unequivocally was dead. There he is. In the flesh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the second, uh, so what we'll find out is the second time, perhaps. Uh, I really like this a lot because, you know, Daniel's like, all right, well, I came here to ask you a question, but I got my answer. But Johnny, he was like, you know, you, you don't know nothing. You, you don't know what's going on. You you see what you see, but you have no idea what's going on. Because Kreese has his arm on Johnny's shoulder, you know, rejects his arm there. You know, it, it, clearly he doesn't want Daniel to think they're as close as what Daniel might think. Yeah, uh, I think it's uh, 
I, I don't know if it's so much a, a rejection of Crease as much as it's a reaction to uh, getting caught with your pants down almost, where mm-hmm. he, the only reason he really got Cobra Kai back into the All-Valley Tournament was because, A, he'd never met Terry Silver, and more importantly, B, John Crease was dead, so it was going to be a new Cobra Kai, and here he is getting caught with Kreese by the guy who is the most vocal opponent to Cobra Kai's return. Right. What did you think about Kreese in this moment and, you know, kind of the disrespect? Obviously, he made the comment, you know, my condolences about Miyagi being gone, which Daniel, you know, asks him about his knuckles, you know, and we get a little flashback of the the beginning of uh, Credit Kid Part 2. The only word that I can really use to describe this is satisfying. Because, let's face it, I mean, the picture that Kreese was painting of himself in that first episode definitely was kind of uh, sullied by his behavior in this second episode. He was disrespectful. He was more than a little scummy. Uh, and to see Daniel put him in his place with just some simple words, I loved. I loved it so much. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was really good. But um, uh, th- this is what they played at the Fathom events uh, right before the screening of Credit Kid Part 1. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it was just this scene. So uh, now we know that it's in the second episode and, and all that good stuff. But... Uh, I just, I remember, you know, commenting uh, on that episode with me and Brianna and just saying, like, the level of disrespect this guy, you know, so I, I, I do like it. I do like it. And Daniel hops back into his car and peels out of the parking lot, kind of like how Johnny did in the beginning of the episode. <laughs> A nice little bookend, yeah. Um, But again, I... I desperately kind of wanted to be completely in Daniel's corner in this scene. But the fact that he didn't tell Johnny exactly what was going on with his kid was... I wasn't angry with Daniel. I was just disappointed. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. I... I, If... Can can they just talk? You know what I mean? (laughs) Say what exactly. you needed to just say, be... you know, don't walk out there just assuming what was going on. Johnny told you, you have no idea what you're talking about. Ask him about it. Okay, so what is it? But doesn't make for very good drama, right? If they had It that doesn't, talk. but at the, on the other hand, he needs to put the needs of this kid ahead of any bullshit that's going on between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Whatever past those two have together has nothing to do with Robbie. Robbie's in a really bad situation. He needs help. It's Daniel's responsibility as the adult in the situation to inform his father. Right. So, like I said, I'm not mad. I just expected so much more out of him. Right. All right. Uh, Well, that wraps up our review of episode two, Back in Black. Uh, the next episode is episode three, Fire and Ice. But at this point in the episode, we would like to do what, well, we don't have a name for the segment yet, but it's the Easter eggs with Brianna. So at this point, 
We're going to bring her in. I me tell you about my first girlfriend. Hello. Happy to have you, you know, back. You know, the Avengers have a Hulk. Cobra Kai companion has a Brianna. We do. We do indeed. Okay, so are you talking about my... <laughs> Are you talking, talking about, about my your, temper or my about your strength and your prowess? You are our secret weapon, ma'am. Hey, after the first episode release, you know, the, with the introduction of the the Brianna Easter eggs, we had a lot of people reaching out saying they really loved hearing what you have to say. One even suggested making you part of our main review. People love them some Brianna. Yeah, I guess. Cut it out. <laughs> It, it, it it's it's kind of overwhelming. I I went from nobody to a uh, no one who had never listened to a podcast to someone who has her own segment on one in four months. Hey, that's that's pretty good. Some might even say that's a little slow, but hey, we, we got <laughs> it's you a, here. <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's a little overwhelming, but um, I I can definitely fill the the role of the big honking nerd that you don't want to piss off. <laughs> I will say that. I like it, yeah. Yeah, don't don't want to miss uh, or piss, miss, piss you <laughs> off. Uh, it, it's It's been a long week for me at work, but, um, you know, a uh, little inside baseball, nobody cares. But, you know, this episode, it, we had to postpone it because originally we were going to have a guest and we went ahead and uh, recorded without the guest and we'll just reschedule. But, um, yeah, I, I know a lot of people have been Waiting for another review. We have episode three also recorded. So, you know, we'll probably get two closer together in release, uh, I would say. But, um, yeah, let's get into some of the Easter eggs here. Obviously, we already did our review, and uh, there may be some things that uh, you caught that we also caught. But would love to hear anything else that we missed. Okay, so starting off, um, back from the trailer analysis that we did where i will fully cop to being wrong about 90 percent of the time which is perfectly fine because what they did was better than what i thought they were going to do mm. um we start off with the 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 back in black and the the paint job of the the challenger i don't know if it's an easter egg i don't know if it's continuity error i don't know the reasoning behind it that is not the same car it is still a challenger it is either a 2009 or 2010, but the one from season one was a regular Challenger with the Dodge logo on the hood, and this one is the Mopar Challenger, which makes me think it is a 2010 because it's got the Mopar logo on the hood. And Interesting. And I don't know why they changed it. Yeah, um, probably because Johnny pissed on the first season one, and uh, I think that's what it is. So they, they, they can't use that car in production anymore whatsoever because Johnny pissed on his own car. I think so. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was that was something that stuck out to me because of what I do for a living. Um, also, the Mopar Challengers were a black color in the first place. So they painted it red just <laughs> to repaint it black. I don't know. That would be a good question for a Q&A for her which mm -hmm. one of these days. Okay, so um, then we get to uh, the next Easter egg um, is Robbie at the apartment, Shannon, the whole to-do with Rick going Cabo adjacent and all of this. Uh, this, to me, is an extreme version of Lucille leaving Daniel at the beginning of Karate Kid 3, where he comes home from Okinawa 
and his mother is just not there. Had obviously been in contact with her because Mr. Miyagi, you know, asked him, uh, did you tell your mother the flight number? And he said, yeah, I told her the flight number, wrong day, you know, all of this stuff. So he had talked to her not that long before and she hadn't told him she was not going to be in the state when he returned. So that's what that one felt like to me, like just uh, Karate Kid Part 3, Lucille leaving Daniel amped up like a thousand times to where, you know, she's leaving him to his face. Right. I also mentioned in the review that uh, this could have been a reach, but the the guy that she goes on the date with, his name is Rick. Uh, D.R.O. Baird was also in Hot Tub Time Machine with Billy Zavka, whose character's name was Rick. They could just be very hard up for character names because we've also got a couple of mics floating around that probably aren't the same guy. Right. Oh, Mike. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm going to have to put a pin on that one. <laughs> that was that was from season one. Johnny's right, boss right, was right. Mike. So. Right. First episode. Yeah. Um, I did go look to see if the pictures that Daniel is hanging up in the dojo um, are the ones that Mr. Miyagi had in the dojo in Okinawa. The ones that we see in Karate Kid 2 and the ones that we see in this one are not the same, like they're not in the same place on the wall, so I couldn't tell if they were two that came from that dojo. That is the real Mr. Miyagi, however. Uh, the photo that they they go on right before our Mr. Miyagi, that is the founder of Goju Ryu Karate. That is okay. the real historical Mr. Miyagi. Okay, okay. Um, Johnny, when we're with the kids training and they're they're messing around, which the side dab made me giggle like mad because my children do that all the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we talk about listen, that. Don't, listen Tom to the full episode, is. ma'am. <laughs> right, and my reaction to them doing it is an awful lot like Johnny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my my six year old does it, yeah. Um, and then we have Johnny screaming at his kids the exact same thing that John Kreese screamed at him in the parking lot, which is "You're off the team." And I don't know if it's really an Easter egg or a continuity thing. Again, it makes me very happy. Yes, Daniel does still talk to himself. Only now he thinks he's talking to Mr. Miyagi, and he right. does it quite often during the season. He doesn't look up into the sky like he has before. Right, yeah, he would look up to the sky or he would just look off to the side. Now he looks at Mr. Miyagi, so I guess you can justify it. He does he's not talking to himself. He's just talking to this dead man's picture, so that makes it perfectly normal. Right. I like that. (laughs) And then um let's see, the next thing I have written down is another callback to Karate Kid Part Three. When you hear the line, when I heard it originally, and you brought this up in the trailer, according to the closed captioning, Kreese is saying that Johnny will bring uh, Cobra Kai back bigger and better than ever. But I think he's actually saying batter. And the reason I think he's saying batter is because that is what Terry said that um, Cobra Kai would be when he was done messing with Daniel and Mr. Miyagi. So I told him on the phone when Kreese was in Tahiti. Hmm. was that Cobra Kai was back bigger and badder than ever. And the new footage uh, from the Q&A episode, when Hurwitz had had mentioned that, you know, we would see different shots and things like that, that we didn't see before. We got one in this episode. It is the shot of Kreese looking down at his knuckles. And I went back and double checked with this. In every scene that we see in Karate Kid 2, 
um, of him looking at his knuckles, Mr. Miyagi is in frame. He is not right. in this one. And bonus, this one is actually shot from the angle that Daniel would have seen him where Daniel was standing in front of the car. So Mr. Miyagi would not have been between them. So this is like definitely Daniel's memory and creases together. And just theirs. That's very interesting. Um, I kind of thought that the title Back in Black, in addition to the car and everything else, is kind of a nod to Crease because by the end of the episode, it's very obvious that he is going to be in the Black Gee in the next episode because Johnny has accepted him back in. Not only that, but he's kind of, not to, not to steal from the uh, Star Wars lore, he's kind of going to the dark side just a little bit. Crease? No, Johnny is by accepting Crease back into his life. He's justifying and compromising himself just a little bit because of Crease. Right. And and this season overall is so dark. They both kind of Daniel and Johnny both kind of fall back into the blackness that their life was mm-hmm. when this man was in yes. it in the first place. Yes. Um so that's a good point too. Let's see. What did I have? I have this written down. It's confusing. Oh, um, right at the very end, when it's the three of them standing on the sidewalk, uh, Johnny puts his arm out and kind of pushes away from Crease and walks toward Daniel. And it's shot outside the dojo, so it's a different setup, and it's a completely different setup dramatically. But Crease did that with Terry, too. Put his arm out to push him back to step toward Mr. Miyagi. And at that point, he said, we're old friends. So here's Johnny walking away from this guy to go to his old friend. Oh, yeah, that's that's a deep cut right there. Um, you know, I always think back to Josh Heald on Twitter saying, uh, gosh, I wish I pulled up the tweet, but it was he was referencing like looking back to the past, you know, for for the upcoming season two. And because I, I remember replying like, oh, great. Now I got to go back and watch all four movies, <laughs> you know, before, before season two dropped, uh, which I hadn't. Uh, but at some point, I, I kind of want to to do that because I know you refuse to watch the next Credit Kid. I say there's one of the four that I have never and probably will never watch. You, right. And you see, and watched the, the, the Jaden Smith one? No. That's, I said four. Mi- Miyagi-verse. Oh, okay. yeah, she, she, yeah. I said four. Thank that you, one doesn't you, even, you. that one doesn't even exist. That's not even, no. Yeah. Uh, to, to me, it, it, it does because Mr. Miyagi is in it. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to revisit, revisit that sooner than later, uh, just in case some of those references are made in this season. Uh, if Julie ever appears, I will most likely go and watch it. But don't ever get me started on what I think that movie did to Mr. Miyagi's relationship with Daniel. Right. And also, um, gosh, I don't know, between Hillary Swank and Elizabeth Shue, I, I feel, I don't know, I, I feel more than likely we'd get Elizabeth Shue over Hillary Swank. But I, but I know nothing, right? That's just my guess. And I would like to, I mean, I would not mind Julie coming because she and Daniel, they have said, do know each other, which makes sense. He is the senior student. She is the, you know, the junior student. They both had him as a, a feature in their lives. At the very least, when he passed, she would have been there. Um, right. Whether she was there when he passed, I don't know, but she absolutely would have been at his funeral. Um, 
if she ever comes back. She brought back, a dish to the potluck funeral is what you're saying. Y- yeah. You know, she she was definitely there. Yes, I would say she was definitely there. Especially what uh, Mr. Biagi means to her grandfather, too, from what we uh, yes. know from the next yeah. kid. Yeah. So I, I would right. say that. Now, whether they whether she stayed in his life after that, I, I don't know. You know, Daniel obviously had left Mr. Miyagi's life at that point and then came back and then grew closer as the years went by because Mary has said that in her mind, and this made me very happy to hear her say this, that in her mind, Mr. Miyagi was a huge part of her childhood, too. And I have always kind of had this thing in the back of my head that Sam called Mr. Miyagi OG when she was little. (laughs) I like that. <laughs> it, it just, it makes me smile, you know, you just know, to think you that. You say that, that's canon now. <laughs> you know what? Yes. And and you can send that to the internet. Okay. Well, no. <laughs> yes, send that to the big three. That is that is a r- great piece of writing, if you don't mind my saying. Well, OG, I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think she called him grandpa. So, I it just, it makes my heart happy. So, that's what I think happened. No, that makes us happy, and yes. you coming on makes us happy, Aww, as always. thank you. Yeah, uh, I I don't know. We'll, we'll get into this real, real quick before we we let you go, uh, since we were kind of on, a, you know, uh, since we were kind of touching on it. Uh, in one scene in the very beginning of this episode, Daniel mentions, you know, it's been a while since Miyaki does had more than one student, as he was getting ready to teach them the... The uh, the wheel technique. We're trying to. Th- we're wondering, is Daniel one of the, you know, the, the 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 more than one student that he's referring to? If so, who's the other student? You know, that timeline and stuff like that. Did you have any thoughts about that at all? My initial thought. I've heard other people since then say that that indicates that Julie had gone to California or that Daniel had gone to Boston at some point, and they had trained together. Um, but my thought initially was that he was talking about Mr. Miyagi and Sato. Interesting. Mm. Okay. Wow. He goes even deeper than that. Yeah, that was, that was what I thought. But then again, I've never seen the fourth movie. So Julie is not the first person that pops into my head. Right. Because we're also, you know, I mean, we're talking about the wheel technique here. How does Daniel know how to teach it or how it works? Exactly. He must have done it himself. But if Daniel had been taught this, wouldn't he know how to teach it? Because he has no problem teaching paint the fence, sand the floor, paint the house. He can teach the things he was taught, but he really, really struggled with the wheel technique. So that kind of indicates even though he knew it existed, maybe that was something that he did with Mr. Miyagi at his back. And they sensed each other's presence so easily anyway, they didn't have to go to the extremes. Mm-hmm. that he did with Robbie and Sam. But that, uh, my first thought was Mr. Miyagi and Sato because he couldn't think of a way to teach it. I like that. Um, so, yeah, I'll put it out to the listeners. Let's continue that in the group page. You know, I definitely would like to hear what other people think. Yeah, I I, I love to hear what other people th- most of the time. I'll take that back. <laughs> <laughs> any Any post that starts with the words, what are your thoughts on... Will immediately set me into snark mode. And I share with Jeff Kaplan a um, overwhelming sense of incredulity over how many people think they're the only one who noticed this particular thing. And it's always a really big thing. Like, am I the only one that noticed Johnny painted his car black? No. 
Ah, <laughs> oh, the new fans, yeah, yeah. new fans. <sighs> yeah, yikes. Thank you so much for giving us uh, your time to uh, share those great uh, Easter eggs. Well, thank you for asking for it. And I will have season three or season three, episode three. Cut that out because there is no season three yet. Um, I will it's have... been relit, so we can leave it in. <laughs> right, right. But I will have no Easter eggs for season three, but I will have episode three ready for you whenever you need. All right. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you later. All right. Have a good night, guys. Bye. Bye. And there goes Brianna. Thank you again. Thanks to her again for coming on with the uh, the amazing Easter eggs. A lot of a lot yes, of great stuff as always. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we get to the point in our review where we uh, I think we have a few listener feedback uh, in our group page uh, about this episode. Um, and if this is something you're interested in doing where you want to get in these conversations, uh, leave feedback, well, first and foremost, you can always tweet at us. We have the email in the show notes, things of that nature. But to join in our group, just go to Facebook and search group, and you spell out the words period. Always check the show notes because it's there as well. So the first one comes from good old Amy S. Again, she also provides the uh, the episode summaries. She says, this is the episode of the montage, and I love them all. I agree. This is definitely the yeah. montage yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two, Billy's line reading of gender what is amazing. That's when he was on the phone call with, with a mm-hmm. yeah, potential Fucking a new student, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember the line reading, but it's... I think it was a hard question. Like, gender what? You know, probably something like that, I, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, three, Johnny shrugging Crease's hand off his shoulder was what I needed. I think we all needed that. Uh, and he really wanted Daniel to ask him what he came there to ask. But Daniel's anger and just general pissed offness was warranted. I don't... Again, I, I think that he needed to put the the needs... Of honestly, I I think that this is kind of a, a trend. Whether it's the needs of his employees or the needs of this one kid, I think he's kind of losing sight of the big picture here. Right. Just kind of jumping to conclusions. Uh, I mean, I feel like a lot of people do when they're emotional in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just kind of oh yeah, what happened. And number four, fuck you, Crease. I concur. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I cannot disagree with that. You know, if you didn't tell me who wrote this and read that part, I would have been like, is that Amy S? <laughs> That's very much her. Uh, I love you, Amy. Yes. Um, she also comments, also not really for the podcast, but this. And it's a screenshot of, um, well, Johnny addressing the Cobras after hosing them down with water and Miguel uh, kind of looking at him. Uh, Just I think a great smirk. A very nice smirk. Uh, I think this was after, you know, that really nice speech that he delivers. Yeah. And then there's another screenshot where, I don't know, at least in this screenshot, Johnny looks pretty dang proud of his students. I think so. You know, it's very uh, a knowing look they give each other, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I do like those pictures. All right. So the next one is from Jim R. 
you can see the mutual respect Johnny and Miguel have for each other. I have a feeling if Miguel would come to Johnny about his son without Hawk, that Johnny may have said, we'll talk later rather than mind your own business. That's a really good point. It, you don't think possible. so? It's possible. Okay. I think, I think part of the reason why Johnny had the reaction that he did in the following episode is because, frankly, Miguel caught him off guard. Right. Hmm. You know, uh, I don't know. I, I think the whole situation in that particular instance could have been handled very differently, perhaps a much better way. But I think, uh, I think it was definitely handled very well later in that upcoming episode. Right, right. So more on that later. Uh, the next one comes from Mike P., uh, who I also want to give a shout-out because he tried pipping out our, our, our podcast to Reverend Al Sharpton <laughs> at the airport. <laughs> Never in my wildest dreams would I ever think of something like that ever happening, but God bless the internet and God bless uh, Cobra Kai fans. Yeah. Uh, so he says, loved watching Johnny teach Miguel how to keep his cool when the hot babes were looking at them from the other car. Well, you know, you you gotta play hard to get because, let's face it, you know, it's like the old song says, you know, chicks dig jerks. Yeah, I guess so. What, what song is this? It's by Bill Hicks. Mm-hmm. It it, it 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 really is a song. I swear to God, I am not making this up. And you, you didn't make up that name either, I'm assuming. You don't know who Bill Hicks was, sir? No. Oh, sir. Uh, next comment? Next one is from Jesse K. They had me at the moment ACDC queued up. Such a badass opening sequence. I was super excited to watch this episode since a lot of the first episode had so much footage we had already seen from clips that were released preseason. And, and you know what? I I think I'm going to take a cue from Cobra Kai. I think I might start avoiding most trailers now for movies and programs I really want to see because it kind of does sully the uh, experience of finally getting to watch them, you know? Yeah, I I completely I understand where Jesse is coming from, mm-hmm. uh, and actually I think if I'm not mistaken, we we might have even commented on that in our review of the first episode. That I believe we did. Yeah, that uh, well, at least the three teasers, three video clips came from that first episode, and yeah, a lot of the um what we saw in the teaser as well. So I, I agree with that, but you know, you also want to kind of keep like the rest of the episodes close to the chest, given there's nine other episodes and they're all 30 minutes each. So you really got to be careful. And that's why like that official trailer came out. They gave us a lot, you know, they, re- I went back and rewatched it. Yeah, they really did. Yeah. So I, I, I get what Jesse's uh, saying. Um, but you know, for what we do, no, I'll, I'll tell you what. If I wasn't doing Cobra Kai Companion, I would probably be avoiding the trailers and the teasers and all that stuff, too. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, unless it was like an exclusive clip at a convention. That would be a different story. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's... That's fair game. Yeah, speaking of game, have you seen Endgame yet? I have, and you oh, know good, what? Finally. I managed to avoid all spoilers and trailers for that. 
All right. And I'm so glad I did. Okay, so um, I'm, we're not going to talk about Endgame. That's that's not why I brought it up. But the fact that I went into that movie without seeing an entire trailer, I, I saw like bits and pieces of a trailer. Like I knew mm-hmm. that at some point they're wearing a different suit. I had no idea what kind of suit it was or nothing. I didn't know what the main idea for that movie was going to be about. You know, what happens in that movie. I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, all I knew was that this was supposed to be the end of this arc, you know, for the, this huge 20 some odd movie arc. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think going in almost blind, I think, uh, I enjoyed it that much more because I know there's some people that were maybe underwhelmed, uh, with, with that movie where I was just like, Oh, I think it might be my top five, you know, maybe, well, definitely top like six or seven, maybe top five. I'd have to re-rank them. Yeah. Now, are you talking about of all time or just in uh, Marvel? Marvel, Marvel uh, movies. Oh, to me, it's it, it's at least top three for me. Okay, see? So you enjoyed it as well. And did you also avoid trailers and stuff? Well, I, you usually do. For big movies like that, yes. But for this one in particular, I made a point to avoid everything. In fact, uh, when I went and saw Shazam, they played a trailer. I literally... Put my Ran head out down. of the, the theater going, la, 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 No, la, no, no. no. Oh, okay. But I did put my head down, closed my eyes, and covered my ears because I wanted to go in as blind as I possibly could be. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, going forward with the Cobra Kai stuff, I know you'll, I guess, continue to avoid them. Um, so, that's kind of cool, you know, getting like a f- fresh perspective versus somebody that has kind of dissected some of those scenes and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, it'll be interesting. But uh, that is all of the feedback uh, for this episode. I want to thank everybody that submitted those. Uh, thank you, uh, you guys, for your thoughts on that. Um, and that's going to do it. You know, I already kind of gave uh, the the name of the group page. So check the show notes if you want to join in on that. Uh, we also have a Twitter. Uh, you can find us at Cobra Kai Pod and on Instagram at Cobra Kai Podcast. Now, Tom, do you do anything else? I do. In fact, I am looking to amp that up again pretty quickly. Uh, I am the co-host, and I guess you could call uh, myself the producer of a little show that I'm pretty proud of called Jake and Tom Conquer the World, in which we talk about everything from uh, comic books, movies, superheroes, television shows, music, uh, and uh, time travel. Uh, you can find us uh, pretty much anywhere you can find your uh, favorite podcasts. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at The Drunken Dork, and you can find us on Facebook at Jake and Tom Conquer the Group. All right. For me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Podstalgic. I host a movie review podcast, uh, mostly retro movies, but, you know, I do some new releases here and there. Uh, my co-host actually took the reins uh, at the at the good old pod there uh, for Endgame, but I do a Nick Fury cameo and chimed in for a good, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes uh, uh, about the movie. So uh, check it out, Podstalgic. But for us here at Cobra Kai Companion, if this is the first time that you checked out our episode, please go back and check out some of the other stuff we have done. We've done reaction episodes to videos that have been released by Cobra Kai and also 20-some-odd interviews. So more to come, more to come for sure in season two. Uh, So check those out in the meantime. And until then, remember, 
keep pushing, keep moving forward. You're gonna go to places you never even dreamed of. Thank you for listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com.